Oh, here we go. Okay, you got your Bibles with you? Got your electronic devices, whatever they, they might be. Not electronic voices, devices. They can be voices. Okay, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. If there's one thing in the world today, if there's one thing in the world today people are struggling with, am I booming a bit? A little bit. Yeah, just take me down a little bit. Thank you. <coughs> there's one thing in the world today people are struggling of all ages, from the sort of eight years old upwards, is this. Who am I? My title today is, Who Am I? People today, I hear through my son, who's a vice principal now of school, and I hear through other teachers, and I hear through Wendy, where she works, that people today don't know who they are. They wake up one morning and decide they've been born male and they're going to be female today and the schools now have to rearrange all the toilet facilities to accommodate a, a pupil's change of gender in their mind they're still male but they believe they want to be female there's so much confusion out there that people have lost track of who they are. If you don't know who you are, you can never function truly in your life. That's right. You'll, be, you'll spend a lifetime of shifting positions. You have to be grounded. Paul says you have to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Now, Christ is the only foundation that never moves. He's not going to change just because you're nift with him today. He's not going to change because if you fall back in love with him tomorrow. In actual fact, it is impossible, theologically impossible, for God to change. He is everlasting. And as he said to me in his questioning this morning, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding is far, far beyond anything that I, I'm not going to get ever going to get near to it. Yeah. Nobody has been totally, nobody can understand God totally because he created us. So the created person cannot be bigger than the creator. Now when we don't know who we are, we lose sight of that fact. And then we're blown around. So who are we? Well, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, but you, 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 
Look at the you next door to you, sat next to you, and say you. Oh, you. <laughs> but you, okay, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, you are a priest unto our God. Do you know that, Jen? You're a female priest. Yeah. You can offer, as Dan said this morning, when we offer up a sacrifice of praise, we are a priest. We're fulfilling the Old Testament priesthood. There are, yeah, you can wear a, a collar the wrong way round, a white collar the wrong way round, as much as you like. They'll make you a priest. The only way you get to be a priest is giving your life to Jesus Christ and being born again. You are a royal, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's made you a new... No, you're not English. You're not Welsh. You're not Scottish, thank goodness. You're not any of those things. You're not Irish. You may have been born in those countries, but that's not who you are anymore. You're a Christian. It's a new nation, a whole new people that God has called out. Why? You're a special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's good news. So, who am I? Well, I sat down, not this week, the week before, and started to prepare. I thought, I'm going to put right down off the top of my head who I am in Christ. And I got to about number eight, and I ran out. And I thought, there's got to be more than this. I'd exercised, I think, the extent of my brain power, which doesn't say an awful lot about my brain power, right? My headmaster said to me, you still here? He said, you're never going to be any good, you know that, don't you? You're going to be, you're just fit to be a van boy, an errand boy. That's what they used to have back in the ancient days, right? I'm talking 68 years. Don't tell anybody that, all right, because I don't look it. <laughs> what do you mean I do? <laughs> I was brought up in a school, a secondary school. It wasn't secondary, it was more tense. Yeah. Yeah. Secondary modern. There was nothing modern about it. Even the toilets were ancient. <laughs> and I was a write-off. And I was in the A stream. Whoa. And I was in the top four of the A stream. And do you know why that was? I could write my own name. (laughs) I exaggerate not. It was dire. Nobody held out any future for me from that school. The A stream could make their own way to school. The B stream had to be taken because they couldn't find their way. And the C stream didn't even know what school was. And I exaggerate not. 
we were just contained in a, in a building for about five hours, four or five hours a day to get us off the streets. And that was it. When I left school and I, I ended up going to the Polytechnic, which is now the university, so I can claim I've been to university. Uh, where did you learn anything else? Stop laughing so loud. I don't mind you laughing, but don't overdo it. I could work, no, I couldn't work out the area of a circle. I knew it was pi r squared, but what the heck was pi r squared? 22 over 7. But what do you do with that? But that was it. That was the extent of my maths. I knew my tables. I could recite them like a parrot fashion. Right up to 12 times. So one's 12, 12, 2, 12, 24, 3, 12, 36, 4, 12. That's pretty good, isn't it? I could be a accountant, couldn't I? But what do you do with them? I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know the relevance of what they were really, you learned them for. You just had to learn them before register each morning. Just sit there, you know, and he'd say eight times table, and he'd sit behind his desk with a cane in his hand. You didn't breathe. You didn't breathe in, you know, like today where there's riots in school, you did not move, boy. And you had to parrot fashion, learn these tables. And the reason I didn't know what they were for is because I don't think the master knew what they were for either. But you had to learn them. That's the environment I was brought. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was through my early teens. I was trying to find out. The Beatles and Elvis Presley were trying to say I was this, that, and the other, or should be this, that, and the other. But I didn't know. I was confused. So what do you do? You join a group. You associate with a certain group of like-minded people. The mods, as it was back then. In Parker coat and my long hair down to my shoulders. I know that's hard to imagine now. I have more trouble with my eyebrows now than I do with my hair. <laughs> but they were like-minded. They were as thick as whatever. We're all equal. Yeah. And that's how we got on, riding our scooters, causing as much trouble as we could. Yeah. Do you know once we kidnapped the Torpoint Ferry? <laughs> We've been riding around Lou on our motor scooters, causing chaos, about 50 of us, 50 scooters. Come back, we thought we went over on the bridge, we'll come back by the ferry. Got on the ferry, parked our scooters up, there were cars there, and it was a packed ferry, and the ticket man came round. Tickets, please, not paying. He asked all 50 boys, none of us paid. Refused to pay, so he stopped the ferry in midstream. Police arrived on the other side, one police car. <laughs> oh boy, were we excited. Ferry pulled in, they had tried to hold us back, let the cars off, the first gap, Guess what? 50 scooters headed for the first gap, up the ramp the other side, around the police car, you know, we never paid. That's the kind of life we lived. That was the mild side of the kind of life I lived. There was another side to it which was not pleasant at all. Don't, hear it. don't boast in that or talk about that at all. Yeah. I've seen things, I've seen mates of mine die. I've seen them die. 
been in places with them that would make your toes curl. I've seen good mates physically die in front of my eyes. It's not something I talk about. Probably the first time I've ever mentioned it. But who am I? I was trying to find out. I then met a lovely red-haired girl. And then I met Wendy. And then I met Wendy. Red-haired girl. I thought, well, that's different. And she was different. We got married, eventually got married. Thank God she was. But you can get married and still not know who you are. I married her because I fell in love with her. But if I don't know who I am, how can I treat my wife properly? If I'm still struggling to find who I am, how can I cope with life? I can't. So I dive off at various tangents. But then I met Jesus. And he started to tell me who I am. And so this morning we're going to find out who I am. Now I need two assistants. And I've looked around the room and I thought, there's only probably two here. Well, probably not qualified, but I'll have to use them because that's all I got. So I'm going to ask Chris and Sarah to come out if they would. (laughs) My daughter and my son-in-law. Don't run away, Chris. My daughter and my son-in-law thought I'd pick on... I was going to pick on Danny and Joe, but he's too thick. He he just... He would Shanghai it. Whatever I'm trying to do, he would Shanghai it. You know, so I'm not going to pick on that. I could pick on Joe. She'd be eighth, but not him. No, no. So Chris, this is Sarah, I believe. Yeah. This is Christopher. Christopher. My son-in-law. Great guy. All right. Like her mother. Lovely. You've got a good one. Come on. Right. I'm going to give you this. Okay. All right. Okay. You know what to do with it. All right. In a minute. All right. Okay. Right, Dave. Number one. Tan ta da ta. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Number one comes from Galatians chapter four, verses. But don't go unless you want to turn there. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to move quite quick this morning. I don't intend to preach for very long this morning, but you can look it up if you want. Okay. If you're taking notes, one Galatians, uh, Galatians four, verses one to seven, says this: You are a child of God. You have peace with God. Before, you didn't. Why I didn't know who I was, because I never had peace in my heart. Not the peace the world gives, but the peace that my Father God gives to me. Number one, you stuck it on. Okay. Number two comes from Galatians 4, verse 6. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. This is what the Father is saying to you personally this morning. I want you to understand that. This is a personal word to you this morning. Not for anybody else. It's for you. Okay? 
Stick one on him. <laughs> Number three comes from James 1, verse 5. You have access to God's wisdom. Wow, stick one on him. You've done it. <laughs> You're going to enjoy this morning sticking one on him, I tell you. All right? You have access to God's wisdom. You don't know what to do. The book of James says, ask for wisdom and God will give it to you in bucketfuls. There should be never a time when you don't know what to do. Right. Number four, stick one on him. Number four comes from Romans 8 verse 1. You are reconciled to God. You are not condemned by him. Not condemned by him. You may have done something wrong recently. My early days as a Christian, I struggled with this. And you know what? I I learned something very quick. I learned something from my doubts and, and my struggles. You've got to learn from them, you know? The devil resists you becoming a Christian. He doesn't want you to become a Christian. He'll put anything in your way to become a Christian. Okay? He'll tempt you, which is his role, to do something. When you do it, he then says, you're rubbish. Hang on a minute, you encourage me to do it. Then he says, you're rubbish. You're no good as a Christian. Why have you become? But you tempted me. Listen. In actual fact, the devil doesn't really care if you become a Christian. What he cares about is if you act like a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. He's got no problem with dead Christians. That's true. are physically alive, but don't do anything. True. He has great problems with Christians who start to operate as yeah. a Christian should. But he'll condemn you for being a rubbish Christian the minute you do something yeah. wrong. And yet he's encouraged you to do it. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. Have you ever thought of that? It's bizarre. Yeah. What number is that? Four. Four. Number five. Number five comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. You have been justified by God. You have Christ's righteousness. You've been justified, which is just as if I'd never sinned. That word justified, turn it around. Just as if I, yeah, but I have sinned. No, God says it's forgiven. The minute you confess it, it's forgiven. Oh, it's forgiven. Thank you, Lord. you have Christ's righteousness. You are <laughs> righteous. How could God make a holy nation and bring you into that nation in a chosen purpose? Because God is righteous, everyone that comes into his presence has to be righteous. You stuck one on him? Don't worry about that. Huh? Don't worry about her doing that. She's sticking one on you. Yeah. Okay. Number six, 2 Corinthians 5.20. (laughs) 
You're an ambassador. Put your shoulders back, Chris. Stand up like an ambassador. That's it. You're an ambassador. You are completely forgiven and tenderly loved. Now, when I look at him, I find that hard to believe. But actually, don't milk it. But actually, it's true. Because it's not what you look like. It's not. It's, you can't help that. It's come from your mother, right? You can't help what you look like. You can't help sometimes what you feel like. But who am I? I'm tenderly loved. The Father says he tenderly loves me. You've got to start talking to yourself. But talking to yourself God's way. Not the way your mind has trained you to be. You've got to start to put down those thoughts and start to repeat what God has said to you. I am tenderly loved. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like tenderly loved. There's a little bit of, ooh, <laughs> ooh, isn't it? Isn't it? Mills, not the mills in booms, ooh. You know, it, it's a little bit of, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Oh, you get that? Yeah, that you get a ooh occasionally. Yeah, occasionally. You, no, you. <laughs> <laughs> 18 years ago, yeah. <laughs> Careful, mate. <clears throat> what number are we up? Six. Seven. Seven. 2 Corinthians 2.15. You are a sweet fragrance of Christ. To... <laughs> Don't make that. <laughs> You're a sweet fragrance yes, of Christ are. to yes, the Father. Yes, we are. You are an incense that rises perpetually, not just when you praise him, not even when you're thinking about him, all the time. You are an incense, a sweet savor that God, he goes, I can, I can smell robes here, robes here. Oh, oh. Jesus, Rob's here. Rob, I can smell him. <laughs> when I used to walk in from plumbing, when do you start to smell you coming up the path? <laughs> you know, I used to have, uh, we used to have a labourer who worked with us. We, we were plumber and we get called out to a choke sewer, main sewer oh. in Plymouth. There was one in Liam particularly. Anybody who lives in Liam, well, there you go, you can understand it. And, and what we used to do, depending on what job it was, if it was a bit mucky, we'd get the labourer to do it. And you get the drain rods out, and he'd connect the drain rods up and down, you know, down the sewer, down the drain, pumping away, pull it. And when you pull it back, they're soaking wet and covered in all sorts of things. Not just sewage, all kinds of things. You'd be surprised. And he'd be undoing it. You've got to unwind the drain rods and bear it in the gloves. And then he'd reach his hand in his pocket, take his tin out and do a roly. <laughs> and the roly would be soaking wet. And, and he'd put it in his mouth and he'd light and he'd smoke it. We still look at him in disbelief. What number are we on? Seven. 
I'm a fragrance. Did he live to an old age? I don't know, but he didn't smell very good. Number eight, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are a temple in which God dwells. You are blameless and you are beyond reproach. Is that enough? <laughs> you see what's happening here? Although Jesus speaks to you and tells you who you are, we are easily drawn away. You can understand, you can understand something of who you are, but unless you stick in it, you're going to have trouble. And what happens? Something comes along. It could be the internet, it could be a hobby. Don't look at the notes. It could be, <laughs> could be anything yeah. that the devil subtly brings into your life to get you to walk. He can't touch your salvation, but he can darn well distract you very well. Yeah. Yeah. And when he's distracted you, you're not benefiting from what has been stuck or given to you. You start to doubt. You start to wonder. And it takes someone that God speaks to very often to pull him back. Get hold of him. You live in Pedro. I've heard you shout at him from Pedro. <laughs> Get back there. Sometimes you see a pastor will walk into your life and say, you're going to stop doing some things. Yeah. Well, when we do have to do that, people don't realize something. We risk everything in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. If we have to correct somebody, we go totally out on a limb yeah. and trust that our relationship is strong enough because you can walk away from us any time you want to. Yeah. You don't have to come here. So when it comes to correcting, speaking into your lives, I want you to see it from our perspective sometimes. It's not something we enjoy doing. Because we're risking how much you want to be in relationship with yeah. us. True. Nine, Matthew five thirteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to blot out which direction you're looking in. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, chosen by God to bear fruit. Let me ask you: Did God get it wrong? No. Can God get it wrong? No. Mo, you're not answering. I want to see your lips moving. Can he get it wrong? No! <laughs> cool, Wendy looks tame. 
Number 10, Galatians 4, 7. Wow! You are a joint heir with Christ and share in his inheritance. That which the Father gave to Jesus and, and, and solidified when he ascended after his crucifixion and resurrection, all the inheritance of heaven is at your disposal. Woo! That's cool. But if you don't tap in, look, look, hang on a minute. Don't rush. I got, I, I got some money here. It says on there that the Queen, it's her picture, but that's going to be changed soon because the new guy, new king. She promises to honour the bearer. I could have a bill come in. If I don't tap into that, I've still got a bill that's unpaid. If I don't tap into the inheritance that's been given to me through Jesus Christ, I'm going to live a life of debt. I'm not going to live at the level he wants me to live. You have to cash in. Cash in. I'm a joint heir. Nothing's withheld. Look what's happened. Not only has he walked away, now number three and number six have dropped off. Three is access to God's wisdom and six is I'm an ambassador you're forgiven and tenderly loved. He's let that slip away. So now his walk is going to be hindered. He's not walking now or couldn't walk. But that's what's got to happen. His eyes have got to be put out in the natural and he's got to put back on spiritual eyes. <laughs> Number 11. <laughs> Ephesians 5.30. <laughs> that's it. You've got to stop talking the earthly way and stop talking the spiritual way. Because yeah. yeah. as you talk, so you will walk. Yes. Yeah. That's true. And if you start confessing something, it won't be long before you'll do it. Yeah. And that could be positive or negative. Yeah. Number 11 is Ephesians 5.30, which says, You're united with the Lord, one spirit with him, a member of the body of Christ. You are a saint. Amen. Saint Rob. Saint Rob. Saint Mo. Got to say it, Saint Dan. He's married to a saint. Saint Joe. Saint Godfrey. Listen, I don't need a papal decree. That means I've got to live for 500 years after I die to be made a saint. Jesus has already made me a saint. I've been sanctified as well. Hallelujah. Number 12, number 12, which is Ephesians 1 to 4. 
You're hidden. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are chosen by God. You're a child of the light. Did you hear that? Did you hear? You're chosen by God. You know, you can hear that. You could hear that every day of the week, but if you don't move in it, you're not going to live like That's it. That's right. That's true. You're not going to get the benefits of it. I keep telling you that in all that's going to be stuck on him today, it's not about I have to, it's about benefit. God is saying, I am giving you benefits for living your life. Good. Number 13. Number 13 is 1 Corinthians 6.11, which says, You are holy in sharing God's heavenly calling. You're sanctified on one of God's living stones. Amen. You're a living stone. Hallelujah. You're a Freemason. <laughs> I'm, not going to say, well, I'm a Freemason. I'm a living stone. A working stone. But my stones are living. They're not like the stones in the chapel. Wall. I'm alive. I'm part of a building. You might be the stone above me. Some of you are many stones above me. Doesn't matter. I'm part of something. Number 14. 1 Peter 2.5. You're being built up in Christ, a spiritual house. You're a member of a chosen race. That's it. Eat and breathe the things of the Word of God. Stick it on you. Number 15. 15. Royal priesthood, we've done this one at the beginning. Holy nation of people for God's own possession. Created to sing his praises. What was I created for? Why do I sing his praises? Because I'm soaking in the benefits of knowing him. Number six, 16? Yeah. Colossians 2, 6 to 7. You are firmly rooted and built up in Christ. Look, you may feel this world, and this world will try to blow you around everywhere. But when you know who you are, Amen. you'll just see, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. My ancient of days here says, get over it. You've got to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You can wallow in it for as long as you like. No good. Or you can say... My life is not dictated by what's going on around me. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm part of a chosen generation. 17 is 1 John 4:18. You're born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. He cannot touch you. Oh, I'm being tempted. I'm being hammered by the devil. Oh, he's out. No, get off out of it to the devil. 
My Bible says, you know, I'll say this. When the devil has a go at me, is it because I'm not submitting to God? Because the word says this, if I submit to God, he flees from me. He flees from me. He doesn't want to be in my presence because I'm the righteousness, I represent the righteousness of Christ. But when he's tempting me, is it because there's an area in my life that I'm not submitting to God? So I've given him an access, a slip road, to come and have a go. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Thank you, Charles. 18. I'm moving on because time's going. I didn't think I was going to take this long. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Stick one on him. Just... Hey? Holding You're holding them. That's all right. Just keep. Not very good yeah? Well, not very good, is it? No, cheap, wasn't they? Huh? They're called post-it notes. They're not stickers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the past. Oh, Jesus. 18. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. Not you will get the mind of Christ. You've been given. The Father says you have the mind of Christ. It's not difficult then to think the way Jesus did. It's whether you want to or not. That's the issue. You've got to mind your own business. Mind your own business and think on Christ. 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19. 19 says this. You can approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Now, it's a bit different to being married. <laughs> that look. If you want to do something and you're not sure she's going to support you, you don't have a lot of confidence. You don't have a lot of eagerness, so you have to devise a way to get around it. Now, I know how to lavish my wife. She had an eye operation last week, Monday. I know how to push the boat out. I didn't buy her flowers. I bought her a pasty. And she doesn't even like pasties. I know how to push the boat out. I know how to push the boat out. Did you cheat the pastor? I'm either. You have a job to make out to anything. 
It says you can approach God. I can approach God with boldness, but it gets a bit difficult going that way sometimes. <laughs> Twenty. Moving on. For anyone watching this on the screen, me and my wife do get on. <laughs> when she decides that we get on. <laughs> Number 20, 1 Peter 2, 9. You've been rescued from Satan's domain and transferred into the kingdom of light. You have been taken out and brought in. Hallelujah. And Jesus did it. Yes, he did it all. Thank you, Lord. I could make a comment, a theological comment on that, but I haven't got time to go down that road. Okay. Number 21. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Took Colossians 2, 9, 10. You've been made complete in Christ. The enemy says you haven't. The enemy says there's something missing. Lord, my Bible says I am complete. And that's not according to education. It's not according to how well I can think or not think or perform. He has done a complete job in me. Lack nothing. And you? Amen. Amen. Which man? You want a man? She's lovely. I love her. Love her the bits. 21. Colossians 2, 9, 10. Oh, I've just done that one. See what I mean? You don't need education to be at the front here. 22. 22 is 2 Timothy 1.7. This is who God says you are. Remember, he's speaking to you this morning. So far, you've got 21 reasons to believe it. There's number 22. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, a love, and a sound mind. The minute you listen to your mind, you'll question whether you're loved and then you'll lose the power of Christ in your life. What well, does God love me? If I'm going through this, he can't love me. Why has he allowed this? He's allowed it because he knows you're big enough to take it. Yeah. If you'll trust him. Yeah. And in trusting him, at some stage, he will explain further down the line the reason why you go through it. Yeah. Could be instantaneous, it could take years. We've had some things in, in, in our life, uh, the death of our son, and then coming forward, how many years to Harry? 42 years without an answer from God. And then suddenly God gave us the reason. 42 years later. Did we question him initially? But we had to learn to trust him. For 42 years, I wondered why. But I trusted you, Lord. And then the answer came. 
the birth of my grandson, the purpose of it all. Not just an answer, the real purpose, why we had to go through what we went through. Because I, my son and daughter-in-law needed answers. It's the grace of God. Number 23, moving on. You know, years ago, I couldn't count to 23, let them get Philippians 4.9, which is 23. Whoa. Oh. Oh, this is what God says to you this morning. All your needs are met in him. If you're trying to get a need met outside of him, you're going to struggle. First of all, you've got to know who he is and that he's going to meet your need. Your need at that moment might be physically shall we say, money or something like strength or direction, but the first need he's going to meet is that peace in your heart. He takes care of the other after. He said, I'll put shoes on your feet, I'll put a roof over your head, I'll put food on your table. All those things are being challenged at this moment. How are we going to get through winter? Oh, there's a catastrophe. And there is. I'm not denying anything. There is a crisis on. But if I don't believe that my God is going to meet my needs, I'm going to struggle in that crisis. It's going to make me go from over there to over there to up there to down there. And I'm not prepared to do that. No, amen. Just make Wendy wear another duffel coat. 24. 1 Corinthians 6. 20. Stick one on him. 24. You've been bought with a price and belong to God. Hey, hey, I was, in the, I was on the top shelf, right in the very corner of the pawn shop. When anybody walked in, they couldn't see me. But then a man walked in called Jesus, and he said, that little rogue up there, the one that, he's in behind, no, not that one, the one in behind again at the very back, I want him. And I'm going to pay a price for him. How much? And the shopkeeper said, it's going to cost you your life to buy him. He said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he paid the price at Calvary for me. And he lifted me down from the pawn shop shelf, sat me down, dusted me off, and started to put good things within me. And he said to me, I did it because you're mine. I wanted you. In fact, he said, I'm not prepared to go into eternity without you. That's how much I love you. What a safe. 25. We're nearly getting there. Ephesians 1.15. We've been adopted. Oh, I've been adopted. That means I've got all the rights of the adopted, of a natural child. All the adopted, 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 adopted into a heavenly family. I've got all the rights of a heavenly family. You'll be lucky if you get any of the inheritance at all, the way you're performing this morning. You, you can have the garage. Yeah, deal. 
I've been adapted. <laughs> adopted into the family and I have total access. Never say that, that, that when, I, when you pray, that, that, that it's like praying the ceilings down. I'm getting nowhere. I have an open heaven. When Jesus ascended, he punched a hole through the heavenlies that my prayers, my praise, my faith ascends to heaven and there is no spirit, there is no principality, there is no power that can separate me from the Father. 26, Romans 8, 28. Yeah. Be assured. Be assured, Rob. Not insured, Godfrey. <laughs> assured. There's a big difference. You can be insured, but you're not sure they're going to pay out. But I've been assured that all things work together for good, but only to those who love him. And that love is not based in feelings. You know, if Wendy's a bit late bringing me breakfast in bed. What about you giving her breakfast in bed? It's a man's job. Do you want to say she's going to get me breakfast? No, come on. If she's a bit late, perhaps she's not loving me this morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much of our love, earthly love, is always based in reaction. How much you demonstrate your love to me is how much I see you love me or not. His love has been placed in my heart beyond my understanding. It's been placed within me so it's secure. Yeah. Yes, sir. So when I confess it, when it's tough going, he still loves me. Yes, he does. Yes, sir. And the enemy says you shouldn't be going through this if you were a Christian. He still loves me. That's right. That's right. Still loves me. Yeah, amen. When I'm feeling down, when, I'm, when it's tough and it's hard going, and what, still loves me. Still loves me. Yeah. I've had to say that with tears rolling down my face. Yeah. He still loves yeah. me. Nothing's changed. True. My feelings have, but his love doesn't. No. No. 27, 27, Romans 8. You're going to know this one. Nothing can separate and separate me from the it's not true the first thing that trips your fuse makes you think it separated you from the love of God the first disappointment When it doesn't pan out how you thought it was going to pan out, if you allow it, it will separate you from the love of God. In reality, theologically, it can't do that because the love of God's been placed inside you. But I keep saying it this morning, if you're going to live on your feelings, 
you're going to have an awful life. You've got to start to believe nothing. Put the kettle on, Claire. 28. Nearly there. 28. You've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. So don't try and tell me you can lose your salvation. And I won't go any deeper than that on it. If I've been sealed, I've been sealed. I've got an envelope in my pocket which belongs, I'm going to give to me mother-in-law today. And I sealed it. You can't get in there. No. It's sealed. What's in there is in there. When I was sealed by the Holy Spirit, I was sealed. Deal with that one yourself. 29, I haven't got time theologically to go into it. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, 29, what's this say? The good work that God started in you, he will be faithful to bring it all the way to completion. No, don't, you can't lose them. You can stick them in your pocket. You can try to hide them away. But you can't lose it. And the Holy Spirit will bring it to surface again. 29, what did I say it was? I forgot what I says it was. He's faithful. He's faithful. He started something in you. Debbie, he started something in you. He's going to finish it. It's not like DIY, Mike. Start something and don't finish it. He bought roof sheets for his garage six months ago and still hadn't fitted them. Come here. I said to him the other day, when are we going to do it? Why is she squeezing your arm like that? Is there something he's not finished? (laughs) 30. Ephesians 2, verse 6, moving on. You're a personal witness, a citizen of heaven. You're God's co-worker, seated with him in heavenly places. You can't get more exalted than that. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm totally exalted. I am going to fight to be known. He's done it all. 31, 30? No, no, 31. Okay. Philippians 4, verse 13. You can't do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you feel sometimes you can. And if you're going to live in that, guess what? You can. You can look at others who are. And you know what? You get niffed by that. Oh, it's all right for them. They're not going through what I'm going through. They're not married to Wendy. They don't know what the other things that I'm going through. You said she was a bad woman, are we talking? <laughs> you have got my circumstances. You've got a daughter like I got. You don't know nothing. You have no idea how I live. Oh, there we go. Now he's, 
But I can do all things, but only when my focus is on God. When I stick to who he says I am. And I hold them in my hand if they've dropped off lately. Or I put them in my pocket, not to hide them away, but to store them up. So I can draw on them. I carry a wallet that contains money and credit cards and debit cards so I can draw on it when it's necessary. Wendy, Wendy draws on it when it's not necessary. <laughs> 32. 32. We've got one more to do. 32. 32. Here comes the crux of everything I have said to you this morning. By now you should be jumping up and down. (laughs) 32. 32 things that God has said about me. And not about me, to me. 32 things that God has said to you. And there are more. This list is inexhaustible. What's number 32? You. You. This you. And even you. Are. Everything that God says you are. And if you remember nothing else out of all these numbers this morning, remember number 32. I am who God says I am. And if you're prepared to say that to yourself, you'll start to live in the I am. I am Everything that God says I am. Nothing lacking. He'll deal with your flesh. He'll meet your needs. All you've got to do is start to confess who you are. Because he says 32 reasons why. And there are more. I am everything. And number 33, and I put there, I said there were 32, but I deliberately held one back because the list goes on and on and on and on. Number 33 is from Psalm 17, verse 8. You're the apple of his eye. I'll put a smile on your face. I love. (laughs) I love apple pie. I love apple pie. That's a big hint to anybody who feels so spiritual this morning that this week an apple pie would bless Rob. All right? Not that I'm hinting, but don't take the hint. It's double tiding next week. I am the apple of his eye. My three children, my four children, 
I've got three on the earth and one in with Jesus. My four children are the apple, believe it or not, <laughs> they're the apple of my eye. I'm going to say buy them an apple pie. <laughs> they're the apple of my eye. Why? Come with me a minute. Tiny people on the no, screen. I'm not going to because you've been awful to me. People, get over here, woman. <laughs> Why? Because this woman gave them to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. How much more? Only because he wants lunch. Yeah. <laughs> How much more has the Father given us Jesus? And Jesus yeah. has given yeah. us yeah. to the Father. Yeah. Yeah. You're the apple of his eye. Yeah. Yeah. Go and sit down and behave. <laughs> Thank you. Stick to it. Go and sit down. Right? That's it. The prophecy says this. My people will regain, regain a passion for my word. They will crave to hear me speaking to them. We've had some fun this morning. But I want to tell you, God has wanted to speak to you this morning to tell you again his thoughts towards you. It's who he says you are, yeah. Yeah. not who the world says Amen. you are. Amen. Never be evaluated by where you work, where you associate with, the school you go to, your education, whatever. The amount of money you got in the bank or haven't, don't let this world evaluate you. There's only one who can evaluate you. My Father in heaven. And he's given you 33 reasons this morning. All you've got to do is believe him and rise up. Let's stand together.